Hello, I'm Kim Katola, host of Cradle My Heart Radio. Our mission is preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. And our vision is to bring abortion recovery to the church, reaching out to equip and encourage pastors, elders, ministry leaders, and others so they can minister God's love to the millions of Christians personally impacted by this moral crisis of our time. Saving lives and healing hearts, this is Cradle My Heart Radio. Find us online at cradlemyheart.org. Where can you find God's voice in the noise on reproductive choice? For over a million women and men each year, the question goes beyond politics to become much more pressing and personal, both before and after the choice. And we are called to love the little children just as God does. Listen to Cradle My Heart Radio with your host, Kim Katola, speaker, writer, and broadcaster, sharing God's truth to prevent abortion and help those it hurts. Learn more at cradlemyheart.org. Thank you so much for making Cradle My Heart Radio part of your day today. We are really happy that you could join us and talk about something that I think is very uh, universal, the the need to be forgiven after a really deep, really heinous, really grievous sin. And embracing what has already been won for us through the sacrifice and love of Jesus Christ. This is such a stumbling block to those who have experienced abortion. Knowing, first of all, that they can be forgiven is maybe one of the first barriers uh, because the conviction after having participated in taking a human life, there's I mean, that's what can be worse for most of us? Probably nothing. And and irrevocable. It cannot be undone. And we cannot help ourselves. And so forgiveness is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And yet we we can't access it at times. And there's a fog around it, if you will. So that's what we're going to talk about today is... The reality of forgiveness, the doctrine of forgiveness, the workings of forgiveness, and all that is available to us as believers in Jesus Christ. My guest for this episode is uh, Mark Lucas. I want want to call you Pastor Mark. (laughs) Pastor Mark. I'll take it. (laughs) Who's returning to Cradle My Heart Radio. And Mark now serves as local ministry, ministry director for Faith Talk 1360 in Phoenix. And uh, you are a pastor. And, and let's talk a little bit about your background shepherding a flock, because I'm sure, you know, as people visited you in your office or you were preparing sermons, you, you probably were challenged by Scripture. You were probably challenged by the dynamics that you're hearing about in people's lives when it comes to forgiveness. Yeah, for sure. Thanks again for having me on the show. It's an honor to be here as a guest. Love what God's doing right here in this place with Cradle My Heart. Yeah, I think this is one of the conversations that you prepare sermons on forgiveness. You pray over these passages. You really try to bring your place to a deep theology and understanding in beautiful light how God sees forgiveness. And I think it's so much at least for me, it's so much easier for me to get to a place of saying, okay, we can see Jesus upon a cross and we can see him cry out some of the final words to tell us die, it is finished, and really know in that moment that Jesus has acquitted for all sin, 
for all time. He has literally taken all sin for eternity on his shoulders in that moment, and he's acquitted for it. And yet, we sometimes, myself as well, we sometimes carry around shame and carry around the weight and the complexities of the emotions and the rootedness of sin. We carry it with us where shame almost is a reflection of like, that's how we see ourselves. Yes. And it's not the guilt, because guilt, I think, obviously, biblically is healthy. The Holy Spirit inside of us allows us to experience through our conscience, our God-given conscience, sin and an awareness when we're falling short of God's glory, and we make messes. We all make the messes. So the guilt is there to really kind of point us away from the sin and back towards God, but the shame is when we begin to identify ourselves in that sin, and we begin to really frame our identity around that. And I think that's a, a part of why this is so hard because a lot of the sin that we've committed, myself included, that becomes a wrong framework for our identity. Mm. There's a word you use that I want to zero in on. You said Jesus has acquitted us. And if you've ever been a part of a jury or if you you know, you like watching courtroom dramas on movies or TV or whatever, this is a this is a distinct and discreet legal phrase, which doesn't mean you didn't do it. <laughs> whatever it is you've been charged with, to be acquitted means what, Mark? It means that you've been forgiven and that you've been released from whatever the the payment. He's paid the payment for all of our sins. It means there's some evidence that's been presented, which means you are not found guilty. Mm. It doesn't, you know, and I actually had a couple of jury duties which were kind of challenging, and the judge's instructions to us said, you don't, you know, uh, to acquit someone doesn't mean you say not guilty. They may very well be guilty, but there was self-defense or there was some justification. And again, that's a really useful word when we start talking about Christ and forgiveness, right? To to acquit means you you cannot, this charge against you doesn't stand. And in Christ, that happens, of course, because he's paid the price, as you said. So so he he took on the guilt, and his blood satisfies God's wrath for the charges against us, all charges, all sin, for all time. The magnificence mm-hmm. of the life of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death and resurrection right there. And so when you, when you talk about that, and, you know, you, you start thinking about horrible, horrible sin— it's a, it's a real scandal, you know, in your own mind, right? Because if you are guilty and you know you've done something and you your conscience has told you that was horrible, yet you did it, you know, just someone coming along and saying, eh, acquitted, you're forgiven, move on. I mean, in our, our minds rebel against that, don't you think? I do. So, (laughs) because we know we deserve something different. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's hard for our finite minds many days to get to that place of really understanding that Jesus paid the price for that sin that we're being acquitted for. And that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. And there's this 
process of justification, using that word again, there's a process of redemption that happens and that could only be paid through the blood of Jesus, that perfect lamb, that spotless savior. And that we can say that out loud, that we can even, as I have in the past before, preach it out loud. But really how you integrate that, how you metastasize that, how you process that, I think that's really where I think the Spirit was leading you to go today in this conversation. Because I think we can have an awareness, we can have the information of God's Word. So an awareness of the sins that we've committed, okay? And then we can have the information of these verses that we've talked about in the opening portions of this beautiful conversation. But really, how do you integrate and how do you really metastasize and process how you walk this out Mm -hmm. and how you synthesize this as you walk this forward? Right. Faith in action. Like we can have faith, intellectual assent, but really true faith is walking out and trusting God and believing these things to be truth, where we actually put our weight upon them and we truly lean upon them. Faith is a completely effective remedy to the burden of guilt after sin. Mm. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? And so I'll just, you know, I'll use a little bit of my story to illustrate, although I think that you don't have to have an abortion to need to understand this. And you certainly, if you're outraged by abortion, you may need to listen to this in terms of having to do some forgiving. Uh, But all of us living in this legal climate where every day 3,000 children die to abortion in our country by law as sanctioned by our federal government. Okay, so, you know, in in, uh, Proverbs 24, it says, you know, uh, if you rescue those being led away to death, this is in the NIV, Proverbs 24, verse 11. Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. Well, if that isn't the unborn child whose mother is heading into one of these places, so you rescue and hold back. Then it says, if you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? And does not he who guards your life know it? And will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? So to your point in our first conversation on Cradle My Heart Radio, Mark Lucas is our guest, you said everyone in church would raise their hand and say, yes, I'm pro-life. And then you circle back and say, wait, what are you doing about that? You know, if you will not God repay everyone according to what they have done, what are you doing to save innocent human lives that are being lost? And so I think that, you know, if that convicts you listening, you know, you may have to accept God's forgiveness for your complacency. You may have to accept God's forgiveness for your complicit heart in making your peace with abortion, thinking that, well, you know, you can't change, you can't legislate morality or whatever justification we have. And it may be just as simple as, you know, um, making a donation to the local pregnancy center, but you can always do something. You can always put yourself on the rescue side of the ledger. Right. (laughs) And we need to. We definitely need to. And I think as you do that, it becomes easier to engage, you know, on on other levels as well. So I think this is a conversation for everyone, not just those who've had an abortion. The reason I wanted to talk about it was because it was such a sticking point for me personally. 
Uh, I had I had a background of some Christian teaching, didn't get the cross, did not comprehend, came away from it with no understanding. All I, my idea was God's really mad about sin, and I know I sin, so I'm going to avoid God as much as I possibly can. <laughs> this was how I carried myself into young adulthood with also baggage of, you know, childhood hurts and family issues and so on. So, uh, very, very far from anything resembling an understanding of the love of Jesus Christ. Go and, and I am just right in the middle of everyone they're targeting with abortion. I'm 23 years old. I'm not married. I'm getting ready to launch my life, and abortion's an easy answer to. You can just keep on with your plans, right? And pff, they told me it wasn't a baby, so there was no moral proposition at all. It was just tissue and I could just do that and get on with my life. And so, you know, there was no, it was, it was not, I mean, it, it just revealed to me that my fiance was not for me, that he was not the man I thought he was, that we were going to have to end the relationship. And, you know, why would all of that be true if I didn't really know that in my heart that this was a baby, but the confusion and the frozen fear that you have, Anyway, um, no clear thinking going on, which, again, they exploit. And so, uh, you know, I was given to know it was wrong at the very last minute, but I passively went forward with it. So now I failed as the last line of defense, even though this really wasn't my plan. I was really being, you know, walked into it by others. And now what do I do with that? God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, I know you exist. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Probably 13 years of my life. You know, I know I participated in taking a life. There still was not a child in my mind. And it was very much of, uh, it was almost as I, as I look back on it, it was almost like self-pity. You know, when you encounter somebody who refuses to accept God's forgiveness, watch for that. You know, because I was nursing the hurt, I was attached to the loss in a very unhealthy way, and I thought somehow, you know, that God forgiving me would make it all better. Didn't know how to be forgiven, wasn't going back to church, wasn't going to seek any counsel on any of that. I was just stuck. And so I, I, you know, go to self-help gurus and try to read books about my emotions and how to get my emotions in hand, and nothing Mm -hmm. helped. Because I had a sin problem. I had a sin problem. And, you know, the sin, what was the sin? Was it self-preservation? Was it cowardice? Was it um, participating in taking, if shedding innocent blood, taking an innocent life? I mean, there were many sins. And so there's no, no one can help themselves with those sins. Only God can forgive. Only God can restore after such a, a fall. And, you know, when I encountered someone who said to me, you know, Jesus loves you. He came for you. He came for that sin, all the sin that you, you know, so guilty about. And he says in First John 1, 8 and 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's all covered. And the word pierced my heart, Mark. It was like, what? <laughs> who? He What? How could he be like that? Uh, Which was, first of all, one of the most brilliant things, I think, about God's word is that 
it's a mirror, yes, but it's also, it gets us outside of our heads, right? It presents you with an objective truth to measure yourself against instead of just some ugly, unflattering mirror, uh, which it represents your sin or which represents the devil's opinion of you. Because what does he do? He always minimizes it before sin, and then afterwards he always maximizes the condemnation. So so for me, the word is what allowed me to finally accept that I could be forgiven. Uh, and then my emotions came in line. So let's talk about you know, whether or not you you see that as a pattern as you interact with people and in, in your role as a pastor, or if you, if you saw people confessing and yet everything you gave them <laughs> didn't really help. I don't know if I was just a hardhead. <laughs> if it fits with what you've seen, you know, as a, in a, a pattern when people have really guilty conscience. Yeah, I just I always applaud listening to the show just your vulnerability, and I think vulnerability is just this birthplace of love. So I'll start there. Just thank you for being so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a beautiful, godly trait that mm-hmm. the Lord wants for us and from us. I think some of the patterns, and I think really how we follow a biblical model of really walking out a process of forgiveness. I think there's really three steps that I see. Uh, the first step is to grieve the offense. And you've talked about a process of you really grieving the offense. And this is a process of a lot of times um, we fall short where we minimize the hurt. And the enemy's really wise and crafty in how he does this. But we minimize the hurt. And then, like you said so eloquently, Satan loves to maximize the shame and maximize the shame that we walk out of. So it's really processing and understanding, okay, I have to really grieve the offense. I've got to get to a place of before God and before others, if I've hurt others, to be able to really grieve the offense, to be able to spend time in God's Word, spend time in Scripture, and really pray over what I've done. And there's consequences for all sin. So What are those consequences? Walking in that, understanding that. Some people live in that, and that's not of the Lord. But really that first step, in my opinion, is beginning to say, okay, how do I bring this back to the 1 John 1 passage if we walk in the light as he is in the light? So there's this process of bringing into the light. And that process of bringing it into the light, we, myself included, every single day, need to bring our sin, the things that separate us from the holy God, we need to bring those things in the light. I think about David in Psalm 51, against you only, O Lord, have I sinned. You know, when you get to that point where it doesn't matter that I hurt other people, it, it, it's you, Lord, that I'm accountable to. And, I, and I'm so sorry that I sinned against you. That's a really good passage. And then even later in 1 John 1, um, I don't have it in front of me, but it goes on to say that if we, when we don't bring our life into light, we deceive ourselves, and really there is no truth in us, and we lose fellowship with God and with one another. So I think there's this clear commandment in this process, the complexities and the beauty in that verse 8 and 9 that you quoted— as truth, because it is truth, and we can build as a bedrock our life upon it, 
there is this washing and this forgiveness that happens when we bring our sins into the light. So that first step is really understanding that we've got to grieve the offense, but we've got to bring what we've done before God and know that when we walk with God in the light, he will promise us to forgive us of our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. And he restores fellowship with others and fellowship with God. So we've got to really say, okay, Lord, help me believe this. Help me truly believe this and come to a place. Because I think as well, one of the passages that really I'm going to quote right now in Ephesians 4 is Ephesians 4 talks about uh, forgiveness. And in verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgive one another, as God in Christ Jesus forgives you. Mm. So the model of forgiveness is Jesus and how he forgives all of us listening in right now every single day. Right. So he models forgiveness for us. So when I think about this forgiving one another, most of the time, Kim, the one another is myself. Yes. I've got to be able to walk into a space and say, Lord, help me forgive myself. Because sometimes my greatest enemy is myself in my own mind. Mm -hmm. So I've got to walk into a space as the Lord leads me to say, Lord, help me forgive myself because I know your son Jesus is modeling how he forgives me each and every day. Go I ahead. think sometimes what when that doesn't happen, it's because we try to reject the part of us that did the sin. Mm. I can't forgive myself. I can't believe I did that. How could I have? Yeah, well, you did, Kim. You know, I mean, this is this is kind of what God showed me about that process for myself is that, you know, it's the doctrine of total depravity. Mm-hmm. I, I, like everyone else, am totally depraved. And if I am pushed far enough or if I have whatever appears to me as a good enough reason, I'm capable of the worst possible sin. You know, no one wants to see themselves that way or believe that about themselves. You know, everybody who doesn't have Christ says, I'm a good person. God will let me in heaven. Right. This is how we see ourselves. Right. You know, you can't live with yourself thinking you're a monster. Right. But, but yes, so I think that's really key. Yeah. I think it's really key because you have to get very, you have to bring it to the light in your own heart, you know, and really do an honest assessment of yourself to be able to forgive yourself. Yeah. And I think, beautifully said, I think in addition to that, one of the visuals that I'll give the listeners right now is there's this process. It's a daily process. And even throughout the day, there's this process that when we hold on to those sins and those sins actually, sins that we've confessed, sins that we've brought into the light, sins that we've asked the Lord, as far as the East is from the West, the Lord remembers them no more. So the reality is they are not remembered by our Lord once we've done that. And that's a promise that we have in Scripture. But once we've done that, we can't hold on to them and what I want to just stress the importance through a visual is this. Sometimes we kind of like hold on to these sins like a piggy bank, and the mm. piggy bank essentially becomes the very deposit and lens of how we see ourselves. And really, in the best definition of forgiveness, Andy Stanley gave this years ago, it's about canceling the debt and not holding on to the debt of those sins any longer because we know what the Lord has done with those sins once we've confessed them because we have clear understanding in Scripture what happened. So we've got to just cancel the debt. And if we think about a piggy bank, I sometimes, the sins that I hold on to, I ask myself, okay, Lord, help me kind of grab this visual of a hammer and just destroy this piggy bank 
of all these deposits of sins that I'm holding on to that are in a wrong way, in a destructive way, becoming the framework of my identity and how I see myself. And that's this metastasizing process. That's the second part. How do we metastasize the offense? Because we have to process the impact of what was done. But a lot of times I tend to go to a place of Ephesians 1 and say in Ephesians 1, I need to know that I, because it's a beautiful list, I am loved, I am chosen, I am forgiven, I've been redeemed. All of these truths in the I am statement, I've got to go there as I metastasize that leads me to the third step, the final step, to move on and leave the offense behind. Mm. Once I do that and I metastasize through God's word and I invite other safe people into that space as well, hey, pray for me. Hey, ask me about this where I've shattered this piggy bank and I've left this offense at the foot of the cross at the altar. I've left it there. Help me in this process and this journey not to cling to this anymore, not to hold on to this and to move on and leave the offense behind. You know, and that I think is I give God credit for what you uh, perceive as my vulnerability because it's like I'm free of it. So I can speak of it because of what he's done for me. And the thing is, if you're also if you've been freed listening to this, this is what you owe others to to share that, you know, and to um, give him not just give him the glory, but give others the hope that he this is his power and this is his grace in our lives. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. I think we're going to do monthly. I'm going to get a commitment on the air right now. And so we may have to pick up some loose (laughs) ends on a future broadcast. Mark Lucas is local ministry director at Faith Talk 1360 in Phoenix. And you can learn more about him and about our work at our website at cradlemyheart.org. Thanks so much for being with us today. This is Cradle My Heart Radio with Kim Katola, preventing abortion and helping those it hurts. Please get in touch with Kim. Find out more at cradlemyheart.org. You can listen to the podcast on all platforms.